Welcome to the best of seven. I'm Kyle Coster. I'm here with Liam McCune. We're going to be diving into the week eight NFL picks, the seven best bets on the board. But first, we need to celebrate week seven. Liam, 12 and one. A week like this comes along once in a blue moon. We're going to savor it. By no means are we going to promise to replicate it because that would be unreasonable. Reflections on going 12 and one. Did you order yourself like a medal, a celebratory t shirt or mug? Uh, not yet. I'm waiting until we uh, follow it up with another good week here. You know, it uh, feels good, feels great. You know, we're really flying high right now, but it's all about the next one, as Tom Brady always says. So we're ready to get after it and try to. You know, I don't, I don't foresee another 12 and one week. I'm not going to be that, you know, that optimistic, but I am foreseeing another above 500 week and we keep the momentum going here. Eyes on the prize. Yeah, that's uh forward momentum is always good. I guess we'll get right into it. Number seven, the seventh best pick of the week. We're going to go with the bills laying 13 and a half against the dolphins. The dolphins get to go up to Buffalo, which notoriously, if they go late in the season, the weather's bad. You can guarantee a win for the Bills. The weather's actually supposed to be pretty decent. It won't matter. Tua doesn't have any time back there. You can't even properly assess what type of quarterback he is at this point because he just has no throwing lanes. He's fighting a losing battle out there. He goes to play a Buffalo defense, which is going to be hot and bothered after that really disappointing loss to Tennessee and then having to sit on it for a week and stew on it, they're looking to bounce back in a big way and make a statement. And I just think that basically it's going to be leading the lamb to the slaughter up there. I'm not so sure Miami can get to double digit points. Combine that with Josh Allen and a bills offense that has proved itself to be perfectly capable. I think we're looking at a, a lopsided blowout win. Yeah. I mean, listen, in the NFL, there are, Good teams and there are bad teams. Bad teams do what the Jets did last week where they come off a bye and they lose by 41 points and let up three touchdowns in the first quarter. Good teams, like the Bills, take that week, make adjustments, and then come out and absolutely whoop up. And given where the Dolphins are, they lost to the Falcons, which really seemed like their only chance in the immediate schedule to get a layup win. Last week on a you know heartbreaking last second field goal, you know I think Tua is doing everything he can to prove that he still has something in the tank, that he's not a complete bust. And I'm honestly I'm starting to believe him a little bit. He's making some good throws, but this is you know the Bills are an AFC contender. That tight loss to the Titans, you know, doesn't look as bad in retrospect because the Titans just walked in and beat the you know tar out of the Chiefs. I feel great about the Bills walking in and just taking care of business here. Yeah, and I think the last thought on this game is you're really going to see the difference between what the top of that division looks like and how far the Dolphins and really every other team needs to go to catch up. It's, it is not tight. It is not competitive. What's the number six pick on the board? The number six pick is an easy one, I will admit. We're not really taking a bold risk on the podcast today with the uh, early, early selections here. But the Rams, 13 and a half point favorites over the Texans. The Texans have been double digit underdogs for two straight weeks and have not even come close to covering on either occasion. They have not scored a touchdown over the last two weeks. They had five points last week. I think this level of abhorrent football can't last that long i think the you know i think the texans will in fact score a touchdown this week but the rams are rolling the lions to the kitchen sink at them and they were unperturbed 13 and a half really isn't that much 
The Texans were 17 point underdogs last week and still lost by 28. So I feel very confident in Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay's ability to win by two touchdowns against a team that is still starting Davis Mills. It's probably more about the Texans than it is the Rams. But then you combine the fact that the Rams just had a battle against a winless team. They probably have learned their lesson. They're not going to come out flat two weeks in a row. You have to look at everything that Dan Campbell needed to do in order to keep that game close. I don't think David Culley is going to be reaching into that bag of tricks. I uh, probably will try to rely on a more straight up effort and it'll probably be far less successful. Yeah. I think that this one is an absolute bloodbath. And I think the number is actually pretty good because I don't know how many points Davis Mills and that offense is capable of scoring. And I just, it's really hard to imagine the Rams being held under 28, even with a staunch defensive effort out of Houston. Yeah. The Texans have scored eight points combined in the last two weeks. And like I said, that kind of tends to, that sort of level of football tends to swing the other direction. Eventually. I don't think it happens this week. And I certainly don't think that the defense is going to be able to do anything against a Sean McVay offense. So two touchdowns, comfortable line, comfortable money. Which brings us to the fifth best bet of week eight. Kyle, what do we got? We're going to go with those aforementioned Detroit Lions. I mentioned that Dan Campbell was trying to trick or treat his way into a victory against Los Angeles. Almost got it. The Stafford revenge game, the Goff revenge game. It really was fascinating to watch. It was one of my favorite games of the year, if only because my team looked like it was about to pull the largest upset of the year. But Nevertheless, look, the Lions are the only winless team in the NFL. We know that, but they are certainly not the worst. Like if you ask anybody who the worst team is, the Lions should not be the first team on the tips of their tongue. This team plays hard. They have a competitive defense, even though the talent is not there. And the offense, you know, like they kind of find a way to get it done. You look at their track record through this year. They've played good teams very close. They have failed to execute in the final minutes, but they're getting three points at home against the Eagles. I refuse to trust the Eagles. We have seen them throw up some absolute stinkers already this year. I'm not so sure what Hertz is going to look like on the road. And I think this is the week where the lions actually get one, take the points, sprinkle a little on the money line. I think we're going to be celebrating Dan Campbell style on Monday morning with a 45 ounce coffee filled with about nine espresso shots. Yeah, I like the Eagles a lot as the opponent to pick for the Lions' first win. Jalen Hurts has been not bad this year. I wouldn't go so far as to say he's bad, but he's not really good. And this Eagles offense, they hired Nick Sirianni to be their, you know, their version of a mini Sean McVay, as is the trend over the years in the NFL. And it's still a pretty one-dimensional offense. They don't run the ball very often, and I can't imagine they're going to do so even more against the Lions after Miles Sanders got hurt last week. Jalen Hurts loves to throw short passes, and that makes for a fairly easy recipe to defend against, even if the execution is obviously always going to be a little bit tougher. And eventually, I mean, Jared Goff took the Rams to a Super Bowl. Like, eventually he's going to start hitting some of these throws, you'd think. But either way... 
victory aside, there's no way that the Eagles walk into Detroit and blow out the Lions, even if the Lions are not a good team. They saw how close they were last week. I think that galvanizes everybody instead of like the Vikings game, which sort of sucked the soul out of the team. After they came within that close of a victory, I think I think the Rams game will give everybody a little bit of an extra boost. And I think I do think the Lions will take it home. Look at that. So much confidence for the Lions. That is certainly going to spell doom for their chances. What's at number four? At number four, we have the Chargers favored by 4.5 over the Patriots. We're going with another favorite again here, but we just talked about what good teams in the NFL do during a bye week, right? And the Chargers had a bye week after they got absolutely smacked by the Ravens. And I think this team has a lot of holes that they can't fix in the process of this year. Most specifically, their rushing defense is an absolute atrocity. But I think they're good enough to come out with some attitude, with some steam out of the bye week. And the Patriots had a very morale-building win last week, but a 40-point win against the Jets doesn't really mean anything. So 4.5 I don't think is a big enough line considering the Chargers are at home and it's the first game of a Patriots West Coast trip. Bill Belichick did torture Justin Herbert last year. This year, the Patriots have one above-average player in their secondary who isn't affected by injury and will be playing next Sunday. Otherwise, it's a bunch of second stringers and backups. Herbert's going to have a big day. New England will keep it relatively close for the first couple of quarters because they can run the ball pretty well. But I don't see I don't see how the Chargers win by less than a touchdown this week. The line is begging people to take the Patriots, and I think it's begging them to take them based on the mental pretzel that Belichick was able to put Herbert in last year. But number one, two things. You alluded to the difference in personnel, especially in the secondary, depleted. Even Belichick is going to have a hard time cooking up something delicious with those ingredients. But more importantly, Herbert's a different quarterback this year than he was last year. The progression has been off the charts Just look at the conversation. Nobody was putting him in that top tier at all last year. It's become plainly obvious with his play thus far. At home, they have no problem scoring points. And I think if you're going to be riding the Patriots, you're expecting them to put out either a lockdown defensive performance, which doesn't seem likely, or to figure out a way to match points against a team that puts them up in bunches. And I'm sorry, I know that Mac Jones and company looked really great against a terrible Jets team but this is a totally different challenge out there on the west coast I'm sorry to say it I know that the Patriots desperately need to keep winning I just do not see it prudent to put your money on them even with the free candy this week absolutely not and as you mentioned people talk will talk a lot about the Justin Herbert situation from last year and what Bill Belichick was able to do to him but I don't think enough people are talking about what Brandon Staley is going to do to Mac Jones I think Brandon Staley is an outstanding defensive mind, and I think he's going to put Mac Jones in the blender. I think this is going to be the worst game of Mac Jones's career, and you know, even if the run game is decent, this is only a four-and-a-half-point line. I don't think that's big enough. At number three, I am taking a huge risk with this one, but I feel really confident about it, and it's the Packers getting three-and-a-half in the desert against the Cardinals. Now – Cardinals undefeated. You know what? Packers also undefeated since week one. We've thrown that result out as a society. We forgot it happened. These teams are combined 13 to zero. It's the game of the weekend. Kyler Murray will get a chance to measure himself against the best of the generation 
in Aaron Rodgers. I guess Aaron Rodgers is in a different generation than Tom Brady, which is just absolutely insane to think about how old and productive Tom Brady is. But I digress. I think reality starts crashing down a little bit for the Cardinals. Now, I know that J.J. Watt thinks that they're simply better than every other team, that they're not doing it with smoke and mirrors. But I think that the Packers have more big game experience. I think Rodgers really wants to send a message. I think we're looking at a potential playoff preview. When these two teams have matched up in the postseason over the last 15 years or so, maybe not entirely relevant, but you look back, it's been instant classic after instant classic, especially in Arizona. I think this one's going to overtime, a kick either way. I'll go with Mason Crosby getting the key one again and the Packers to pull out a victory on the road. But either way, I think it's a three-point game. You look at the line, it's 3.5. My math, as someone who went 12-1, and one, told me that's enough to win. Yeah, with that line, I mean, it's, it's real easy money. I think that the concerns that you voiced about the Cardinals are valid, especially since when you look at last year, this is around the time in the season when Kyler Murray and the offense started to slow down because Cliff Kingsbury's system is more about players making plays than schematically getting guys open and creating easy throws for Kyler Murray and defenses do eventually catch up. So this will definitely be a statement game one way or the other, but regardless, it's a new year. Even if you just take a step back here, a three and a half point line, you're betting essentially you're you're betting on it being a field goal finish. And I think with how good these teams are, how their quarterbacks are, their driving forces. And as you said, the history of fireworks between the two, when they face off, I love, love, love betting on the Packers three and a half worst case here. The Cardinals still pull it out, but you can, I mean, can anybody really tell me they think Kyler Murray is going to beat Aaron Rodgers by over a touchdown? I don't think so. And if he does, what a story. And I think that it's, you know, in sports, a lot of people feel like they get disrespected, but I think it's just, you look at body of work, right? And if Kyler Murray keeps exceeding expectations, then he gets to crow about, hey, look, I'm being undervalued. But I just think the prudent thing is to doubt it until you see it, have him win us over. And I just have a lot more faith in Rodgers and the Packers in that department. What do we got for number two? Number two, I am going for a dog. I love the Saints as four-point underdogs against the Buccaneers in Tampa. As somebody who watched Tom Brady for 20 years when he was with the Patriots, I can tell you that usually what happens after a beatdown like last week is that the following week is a little bit closer than you'd think. There are only a couple of seasons where Brady really actually does beat the tires off of everybody for multiple week stretches. I don't think this is one of those seasons. And I think especially, and more pertinently to the betting aspect of this, Sean Payton and Jameis Winston are very well equipped to take advantage of a shorthanded Buccaneers secondary. Matt Nagy and Justin Fields were not for various reasons that you will be able to read all over the internet this week. But Sean Payton is brilliant. Jameis Winston obviously is hit or miss, but we've seen some revenge games this year. I like the idea of a Jameis Winston revenge game right now. I think that the Saints defense is a little bit stiffer than, uh, than what Brady has faced over the last couple of weeks. I still like the Bucs to win. I think I would avoid that money line because the Bucs are at home, but a close game, a field goal finish again, I like it a lot. 
Yeah, I think the Saints are a tricky team. Aesthetically, there's not a lot to love. They kind of win ugly. I think that Sean Payton has kind of embraced that this year. I think that they're just the definition of a tough out. And in a big game like this with the division on the line and kind of setting the tone and the shape of what the South is going to look like. I really think that Peyton is going to be able to scheme his way into a close game. The defense does keep them in there. Now, Tom Brady, is he distracted from the negotiations over the 600th football, the touchdown? I know that that's been the biggest story in the NFL. I'm not so sure the man can multitask. He's notoriously flaky. He gets distracted. I look for him to come out a little bit flat. And you know what? Saints are going to win this game. All right, Liam, time's come for the number one pick, the game we like the most. Lay it on me. I'm going to lay it on you, Kyle. It is Titans as one-point favorites over the Colts. I think that that is an insanely slim line considering the quality of victories between these two teams over the last few weeks. If we just want to look at last week, the Titans had perhaps the most impressive victory of the week, beating the absolute tar out of the Chiefs in the first half. The game was over at halftime. The Colts beat the Niners by a decent margin, admittedly, but they also were playing in slip and slide conditions because of something called a chaos storm or some shit like that. It was crazy. And I don't know, I just, the Colts are better than they showed early in the season, but the Titans might be the best team in football right now. Everything is clicking for them on both sides of the ball. They're going to be flying high after taking down Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in such an easy uh, way. Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry, but I mean, come on, one point, even if it's in Indianapolis, one point favorites for Tennessee. I mean, I think that's the easiest money on the board this week. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to work out. It does seem to be the game that I like the best as well. Look, the Titans, those victories that they just put up, to me, suggest that they can win the Super Bowl. The thought would be that they have a letdown, right? After two dominating performances, after riding high, they go play the Colts. The Colts have proven themselves to be extremely tough. Uh, they won't go down without a fight. So I think the thought process is they go back home. Titans take their foot off the gas a little bit and stub their toe. I don't see it happening. I mean, I think Derrick Henry travels better than everybody else. Tannehill is a guy who can win you big football games. And I just don't know how you go against a defense, which in consecutive weeks has shut down high profile offenses and done it consistently all year and is trending upward. I think the Colts are a decent football team. I think the Titans are a Super Bowl contender and will continue to prove it again this week. Those are our seven best NFL picks for week eight. As we mentioned at the top of the broadcast, we went 12 and one last week. So consider that. I know there's a lot of gambling and betting content previews out there for you to consume. I don't think any of them went 12 and one. We're going to go 12 and one again this week. And the rest of the way, we're going to win 95% of our bets. We are going professional. We're going to be quitting our gigs. But in the small chance that we revert back to the mean, we will be back again next week for week nine.